What is up, everyone? Welcome to the second episode of The Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Woodkowski. Other side of me is Nick Veronica. Nick, how the hell are you, man? Hey, Charlie. I'm good. Every day it gets a little bit easier to think about the Bills playoff loss, so <laughs> this far removed from it, we're doing good. We definitely got a lot to uh, a lot to talk about, um, you know, especially following that, 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 that loss, heartbreaking loss as it was. Um, Man, my emotions that day, though. You know, now, now we're getting back into it, or what, about a week and a half out from, from the game, almost two weeks at this point, and getting back in and talking about it, my emotions all just coming coming back full circle. Yeah, we're, we're about to have the conference championship games, and even last weekend during the divisional games, it was just still frustrating thinking, all right, Tennessee just beat Baltimore. The Bills really could be playing for the right to host the AFC championship. Oh, I mean, last week was a uh, kind of a downer, especially when 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 Houston went up as quickly as they did against Kansas City. Um, but to see them blow a twenty four point lead kind of made it a little bit better at that point. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Bills would have beaten the Chiefs at all. No, I don't think so either. I thought that that twenty four point lead was a fluke, but I was glad to see Kansas City kind of come back and do their thing and. And uh, you know I, I I'm I'm picking Kansas City to win this week. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to be the team representing the AFC um, at the end of this week. I just don't think that Tennessee can do enough with with Tannehill, who hasn't even thrown for 100 yards yet in the playoffs. And I don't Isn't think that crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. And I don't think that uh, uh, Derrick Henry is going to be the end all be all. I mean, at this point, just wrap up and tackle as hard as it is to do with with a guy like Derrick Henry. Um, they need to find a way to stop Derrick Henry. They stop Derrick Henry, I think they win the game. I don't think that to worry at all about the passing game. Yeah, I went back and looked. I think the last quarterback to win consecutive playoff games with under 100 passing yards was Terry Bradshaw. Oh, man. And, uh, and Tannehill just did it last week, which is incredible. So it's, it's definitely unusual. I think the Chiefs are going to roll. I probably like them in the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, you know, I say I think so too. I think with a experienced coach like Andy Reid, um, especially going up against those two rookie, co- you know, two I would say rookie because Shanahan's not a rookie. Shanahan's been been in San Francisco for a couple of years, but um, you know, two young coaches who really haven't been to that stage yet. Um, you know, I I like Andy Reid in that situation. I think he finally went to Super Bowl and. And if he wins the Super Bowl this year or or whenever, I think he needs to win a Super Bowl to secure his spot in Canton. Are you going to be rooting for LeSean McCoy to get it done? Oh, absolutely. I mean, how could you not? He he, when he left Buffalo, he said nothing bad about Buffalo. He had nothing negative to say. Even when he was there, he talked about how great his time was there, how much he was enjoying it, how much he loved the city, and he just embraced the city with such open arms when he was there. How could you just not not root for him to to, to win one? It's a beautiful thing. Every time somebody comes here and they initially don't want to come, they end up loving it. Jim Kelly didn't want to come. LaShawn McCoy really didn't want to come. They always end up loving it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, and, and look at the guys that all stuck around since then. You know, Kelly's in Buffalo now and can't get him out of there. You know, and, and even even with the Sabres players, you get so many Sabres players that don't want to come to Buffalo, don't want to come to Buffalo. They come there, they stay there. They don't leave. They raise their families there. And it's it says a lot about how great our city is, to say the least. Always resilient. Every time something like the Houston game happens, they, they keep bouncing back. So you know what I was thinking during that game? First of all, I thought, 
people like how many people that I did you see tweeting like I'm gonna pass out like I can't take this game and I'm thinking how did we make it through four losing Super Bowls like this was a wild card game and people are like I'm going to pass out I can't do this yeah <laughs> you know I uh, I saw someone tweeted that out too like how how did they do this back in the 90s with the uh, with the Super Bowls and everything they went through especially that the first Super Bowl with the Giants and the uh, and the missed field goal there at the end by Scott Norwood I don't know what I would have done you know, I'm I'm one of those people when I'm watching the game, especially in a close game like that, I got to pace around. And I'll tell you what, you ask my wife or any of our friends we had over at the house to watch the game. Uh, after that game, I think I need to go to church for about a month straight for the <laughs> for the things I was yelling at the TV and the things I was saying. I think I need uh, I think I need some church in my life after that one. That's for sure. All right. Well, the the other thought I had was it's it's a good thing. Buffalo is used to this this sort of loss because otherwise it would have been even more difficult to deal with the the amount of just the volume of ridiculous things that happened was was just crazy to think about every I, you know we said before this we could talk about the last five minutes of, of the game for a full hour if we wanted to like, oh. there were so many things to just go over just so many things that just you're like did I re- did that really just happen did I just see that oh yeah I mean there was so many ups and obviously so many downs throughout that whole game. So much positive, so much negative. Um, I really think that we could do probably two podcasts really on the entire <laughs> on the entire game, and and probably still have material left over for for half of a, of a third one at that point. But um, there was just so much to get into. I think uh, I think we need to get into it. All right, let's start with the Bills' first drive. They marched down the field. Josh Allen has a rips off a huge run, and then. I don't know where this came from. Sean McDermott all of a sudden decides he, he can do trick plays this year. Loved it. Josh Allen scores a receiving touchdown. Not just not just a touchdown, right? Okay, we have a great touchdown. Josh Allen caught it. <laughs> do you realize that was our first playoff touchdown since 1999? That's right. They lost 10-3 to to Jacksonville two years ago. We did not score. Tyrod did nothing in that game. Uh, and then needless to say, Nate Peterman obviously did nothing at the end of the game when Tyrod went out. But uh, that was our first touchdown in a playoff game since 1999. And it was beautiful. It was you know a little trickery with the flea flicker. I think um, I think it was the yards yards per pass account. My uh, who follows the Bills and he does some video work. I think he tweeted like before the game. He's like, I could really see them doing doing a trick play or a pass to the quarterback today. And literally, first drive comes down. I'm like, spot on, great call, totally. I mean, it fooled fooled the other team. Oh, it fooled me. I saw, um, I saw the play going on, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna throw it deep to Devin Singletary. And all of a sudden, I see the camera, and I'm watching Josh Allen on the on the bottom of my screen. I'm like, no way, no way, no way. And I literally, I grabbed my wife. She's sitting right next to me. Oh my goodness, watch this! <laughs> and sure enough, and he took a he took a shot going in the end zone too. I had a mini heart attack when he took that hit. I'm like, that's it. Like he tore both his knees. Like he's done. Now we got to rely on Matt Barkley to try to win us this game. I'm like. It, it was great for a moment, but then when he got up and celebrated, I'm like, all right, phew. all right, we're good. We're good. We can do this. We can do this. But things look good for a long time in this game. And he, he would throw should be interceptions to people and they would just drop them. He had a fumble that got called back. Like it felt good for a while. I was going to ask you, like, even though the bills were ahead, did you feel like they had it in the bag or were you still kind of like, you know, from, from games past, you're like, 
no way that they could still blow it. You know, the Why Not Us Charlie had the idea that this game's in the bag. The Charlie, who has watched Bill's football for the last 30 years of his life, said, this is the Buffalo Bills. It's never in the bag with us. <laughs> We've seen this too many times in the past with too many other teams and I did keep trying to tell myself look this team's different than those teams right this isn't the teams that we've had before with with Bledsoe when we're playing backup backup uh, players against uh, Pittsburgh and you got to win and get into the playoffs right and you can't can't win a game um, but I, w- I was not comfortable with it I thought for sure we need to get one at least one more touchdown uh, to win the game and we had chances there towards the end of the game the Bills had multiple chances there towards the end of the game uh, even toward the end of the first half. Yeah, even at the end of the first half to, to get a, one more touchdown. And I think they had one taken away from them, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, um, you know, I th- I think that after that first drive, my confidence was sky high. I'm like, okay, this offense is moving the ball. We haven't seen that much. Uh, the offensive coordinator is being aggressive. Again, something we haven't seen much. But we know when he's been aggressive in the past, the games that he has been, this team has come out and they've looked very good and they've been able to move the ball. And it seemed like right after that first drive, the aggressiveness just went away. Uh, it did. And that that's frustrating when that happens because it seems a lot of times when they're in their game script and they're going through their first you know, 15 or 20 plays or whatever it is, it's like they these are plays that are lights out. And then as soon as they stop, it's like, uh, what do we do now? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there, the, the, the first play of the game, I mean, even to run the little pass to uh, to Devin Singletary to start the game, great. Okay, you're getting, getting Devin Singletary involved early, which I thought was something that they needed to do to win that game. Get Singletary involved. Let him touch the ball as many times as possible because I thought he was very good when the ball was in his hands this year. Um, and even through the whole first half, I wouldn't even say the whole uh, you know first three quarters, it was a Devin Singletary show. Got him the ball. He ran the ball well. He was catching the ball well out of the backfield. And then, again, fourth quarter when you needed him most, you forget about him. You don't use him. And, and again. I thought he, he ran well, even on receptions. Like, he was running harder than I felt like I had seen him run mm-hmm. all season. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen a running back run that way and run that hard since Fred Jackson. I mean, you know, I, I look at how he runs and I look at the power that he uses behind his runs and just um, – just how how he gets to the hole, he reminds me so much of Fred Jackson. A little shorter, but he reminds me so much of Fred Jackson the way that he runs that ball. And yeah, just while we're on the subject, uh, great draft pick. It seemed like I'm kind of going off the board here when when they selected him in the third round, and then he turned out to be very very productive. You know, Singletary was a guy that um, you know I had my eyes on in the draft. Um, he, he was a guy that they would talk about a little bit. You know, coming out of a smaller school, he he, he got a little bit of recognition. But um, you know, not as much as some of the other top backs last year. But I thought for sure he could have been uh, selected at some point by Buffalo. I thought they needed a, a a running back. I thought for sure they weren't going to take one until maybe the fourth, fifth round. Um, but I, I I liked where they selected Singletary. I like what he's been, and I was one of those. I was okay with the Lashawn McCoy cut. Um, I thought I trusted the coaching staff. I trusted the process, no pun intended, um, that the coaching staff knew what they had in Devin Singletary. And 
again, all year he looked he looked very good. Um, I think having a guy like Frank Gore there behind him, walking him through his first year of the season was very important, much like how um, last year was with Josh Allen, having the two veteran quarterbacks behind Josh Allen and letting him learn from the veterans, right? Um, it was very important for Singletary to have that veteran behind him, and, and you couldn't ask for a better one in Frank Gore. Yeah, I just wish they wouldn't have given him the ball so much. But <laughs> there, there, there is no reason uh, why Frank Gore should touch the ball as many times as he did. Yes, very true. Especially in a playoff game, I, I think throughout the regular season he had his moments, but early on in the season, later on in the season though, there was too many times later on in the season watching Frank Gore, and I'm like, why? Why is he in the game? Devin Singletary just gave you a run for f- six yards. It's third and one. Give him the ball again. Why are we giving it to Frank Gore? He's not doing anything. And towards right, the end of the year, I, I went back and yeah, I, I looked just just on your point there. I, I looked this up earlier in the year. Like Frank Gore in short yardage situations, and you think he's this bowling ball of a guy. He should be able to pound through. But when you look at, at him in third and short or fourth and short, he has never been good in short yardage situations. And he's been below the league average in getting first downs almost every single year of his career. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something where you see the guy and you're like, of course, you want to pound right through. He should be able to do it. And it's like, yeah, not really. You you almost want more shifty guys in that situation. Now, how much more of that do you think is on uh, McDermott's side? How much more of that is on a Brian Dable side? Like, who makes that decision at that point? I'm assuming that it's, you know, your offense clearing is the one that's drawing up these packages, drawing up these plans. I mean... It's Brian Dable that's saying, hey, uh, Frank Gore, it's third and one. You're going to run this play. and Yeah, I, w- I would assume that's on Dable. I mean, and that's where a lot of my problems started with Dable throughout the year. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I had plenty of them. <laughs> like, I think much of the fan base did. Um, but... In, in that game specifically, I thought that he managed players poorly. I thought that at some some of the times his play call was just terrible. Um, you know, there's times that we should have ran the ball and he decided to throw the ball and vice versa. Um, I did like, one thing I did like that he did is we were running a lot more play actions throughout that game, which is something that we didn't see much through the regular season. Um and I think with the two running backs that we had, whether it was Frank Gore or Singletary, Frank Gore mostly, because I felt like when you saw Frank Gore in that game or in any game, okay, we know we're giving the ball to Frank Gore. We know they're running the ball. And when we would use a play action with Frank Gore in the game, I thought it was thrown off the defense a lot. Um, but I, I was happy to see us use a little bit more play action, I thought, in the, uh, in the playoff game than what we did the rest of the regular season. It's interesting, too. If, if you read some of the analytics guys about using play action, it's, the thought has always been you need to at least run the ball to like set up play action to make it effective against the linebackers. And the analytics, analytics guys who have looked at it said, you don't, that's not really true. Anytime you use play action, it's almost always effective in freezing the linebackers for a split second. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that should be done more often. And, I mean, I think... I don't know if we're going to get to a point where somebody does it almost every single play, but you could make a case where if, if you know if you really wanted to go out there just to keep the defense honest, make them freeze for half a second, mm-hmm. 
you could do that all the time. Well, um, Frank, the Frank Gore thing, it's almost getting to like Mike Tolbert category. Remember, remember when the Bills first had him and they would just keep giving him the ball? And yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, and and I get it, right? Like, like Frank Gore has a reputation that he he is the guy that you know he's going to pound it and pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it, and you know he's your power guy up the middle. But when you have a player who is playing to the level that Singletary was, I'm sorry, you don't give the ball to anybody else in that situation but Devin Singletary. Um, you know, you, you don't run the ball with anyone else but Singletary there. And um, and I think it's shown, I think that hurt them down the stretch. Yep. All right, so the Bills, they take the lead. They're up 13 and nothing um, at halftime. They end up pushing the lead. Hey, I mean, if you want to talk about the end of the second quarter, we can there. Probably it was sort of frustrating that they ended up settling for a field goal. Uh, third quarter, they pushed the lead to 16 nothing, And it's technically two possessions at 16 nothing. You feel pretty good about it. Uh, to be honest, 16-0 is, is a pretty sizable lead that you should not lose. And going into this game, the Bills had only blown a lead of 16 or more. I want to say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in franchise history. So generally, when you're up this much, like you shouldn't lose the game. But the two being two possessions, sort of, you'd like to be three possessions. If you could just stop a two-point conversion, you'd be set. But as we saw, that did not end up happening. You know, before we go anywhere else, I think I want to talk about the last uh, the last couple of drives there of the the second quarter. You know, going into halftime. First of all, you have a guy like Duke Williams in the game who the fans have been calling for all year. Um, I was at Duke's first game in, in Tennessee. And, yeah, you know, I thought he had a very good game against Tennessee. And I thought he had a very good game in, in, in Week 17 against the Jets. Um, but, with that being said, that play at the end of the half that Josh Allen threw in the end zone, which, in my opinion, is a very... Duke Williams-esque catch that he should have made, that we've seen it made so many times on the Bills' Twitter pages. And, oh, my, look at Duke Williams. Look what he's doing. Why is he not starting? And you put him in that situation in a game where he has to make that catch, and he can't make the catch. Yeah, this is this is the one in the right side of the end zone where he, like, leaped and it yep. sort of hit him in the hands. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, watching that one, I'm thinking... Man, if he wouldn't, if, if that was a real NFL receiver, or mm. if you had the guy that Houston has in their sideline, if you had Hopkins out there, you like a, a top NFL receiver makes that catch. Oh, Bills go up three scores, and you're feeling great. Yeah, I mean, you, you again. That goes back to what we were saying before. They get that another. They get that extra touchdown. They go into halftime up uh, seven. You know, was seventeen at that point. Um, that goes a long way. You're up 17 there. Sure, they get the field goal later, but guess what? Go up 17, you get your field goal. You're up 2019 at the end of the game. You win the damn game. Um, you know, but but I knew that the Duke Williams catch needed to happen. Duke Williams needed to make that catch, but that wasn't the most frustrating play to me. The most frustrating play to me was the John Brown not toe tap on the sideline, he's made that catch all year. All year. And he's a damn good receiver. 
and he knows you have to have two feet in. He's been in the NFL for how long now? He he's he, he's played football for how long now? He knows you have to have two feet in. He knows where he is on the field. And he very easily could have had two feet in there and 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 held onto the ball. Yeah, that that was earlier on the drive, yeah. on the last drive. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would have taken them down to like around the five, if I'm remembering that right. Yeah, the five or the three, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Um, and that that's when you expect him to make it. It almost seemed like he kind of forgot where he was on the field and then realized too late he had to like try to tap his feet down and couldn't get him in. It was just little mistakes like that that really cost them a whole lot. You you hit one of those two right there, you win the game. I mean, those are the two big plays, in my opinion, in the first half that really stick out. Because those are the two plays you guys make, you win that game. One of those two. It doesn't need to be both of them. You make one of those two, you win the game. Easily. Yep, and uh, the one other play I just I thought was super frustrating and it didn't have as big of an impact was they, they're driving down the field, 30 seconds left, they call timeout, stop the clock, and then I don't, I don't know if Dave will call this. I think Allen might have checked into it. But you just use your timeout. He checks into a Frank Gore run that's going to restart the clock. You just... You know Frank Gore is not going to rip off 25 yards for the touchdown. Like, you just call timeout to stop the clock and you immediately go run it again? Like, mm-hmm. that made no sense at all. Just dumb. Just, it's okay to say, like, just a dumb thing to do. Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, and, and that's where I think Josh still has some learning to do. You know, I think, I don't get me wrong, I think he's taking great strides this year. And I'm one of the probably biggest Josh Allen supporters that you're going to talk to. So, for those of you out there who are not Josh Allen supporters, I apologize. I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's going to be around in a Bills uniform for a long, long time. Um, but he, he does still have learning to do, and I'm hoping that's something that he goes back on in the offseason, looks back at that, and says, okay, if we would have ran the play that was called, maybe this would have happened. And maybe not, but you need a better play than that coming out of a timeout with 30 seconds left, because then you got to clock it right after. Right, you know, and 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 then so then then you then you waste you waste another play at that point to clock it after you run it with for a Frank Gore run for for one yard. Yeah. All right. So the Bills led thirteen nothing halftime, and I know you want to talk about the first play to start the second half. Oh man, oh, gonna break my heart all over again. Uh, <laughs> so this play, right? I I'm I'm watching the game and. Kind of half watching the game, right? Just the kickoff, no, it's going in the end zone. I, I kind of turn around, and uh, and I look back, and I see that the ref is calling it a touchdown, and I'm like, why, why, why? How is this a touchdown? They show the replay, and you can clearly see that the player does not take a knee. Right? It's common sense that. You have to take a knee. The little hand signal he does means nothing to the referee. All that is telling his players is, hey, I'm staying. I'm not coming out. And he could have he could have done that, walked up, let the ball drop in the end zone, fine, touchback. I would have been okay with that. But the second that he caught that ball and took two steps and handed it to the ref, I'm sorry, that's a fumble. That is a fumble or a forward lateral that they wanted to call it, whatever it was. He gave the ball up. He did not give himself up. The way I look at that, and and I know you, you might feel a little bit differently than me, Nick, but the way I look at that, at that point, when he takes those two steps, he could have faked handing the ball to the ref and taken off. If he would have went 90, 
what, 98 yards to the, or 100 yards to the end zone and taking it to the house, are you sitting there telling me that that would have been a touchdown? He didn't give himself up in that situation? How is him taking it to the, taking it to the house at that point any different than the Bills are covering it there in the end zone? I mean, I hear you. I think if you go by the, the letter of the law, like it probably should have been a touchdown. And it just, I'm not a huge letter of the law guy. Like I kind of thought the spirit of the rule was that he had clearly given himself up. He was made no intent to run it out. I, I mean, I don't know. I almost want to say it, it was more fair or just or whatever you want, you want to say that they ended up not calling it a touchdown because you, you saw he clearly made no attempt to run it out. And it was a really dumb thing. You should never just throw the ball away when you don't have to <laughs> cough Josh Allen. Um, but I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I do. I did almost have more of a problem with like the way, cause they called it a touchdown on the field and then seemed to just go back on it quickly. And I wonder in some ways if this was like a throwaway game in week 17 or like basically not a huge game where everyone was watching. Like, would they have done that if Houston wouldn't have been basically out of the game at that point? I don't know. You can get like conspiracy theories all you want with that. I don't know how much that really plays into it or not. I was sort of fine with it. I thought like if you, if you're Houston or if that had happened to your team, you would be so upset. He's clearly given himself up. He's not even trying to run it out. The referee like didn't need to, you know, put on a show and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't blow the whistle. Like everyone knows the drill, man. Like just blow the whistle. He's not running it out. Like. Right, but I, don't know. but I didn't have but a huge the, problem. The with rule it. clearly states that um, you know he either needs to take a knee or, or or something in that situation, and he caught the ball and took two steps. It's not like he caught the ball and just stood there. He caught the ball and took two steps. To me, that's not giving yourself up. You know, I and, and again that goes back to what I just said. If he took those two steps, had everyone else stopped on the field, and he decides to take it all the way for a touchdown. How is that any different in this situation? Or 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 you, let's use this situation. End of the game. Quarterback mm-hmm. is taking a knee to run the clock. He spikes the ball, or he, he I'm sorry he 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 gets the ball off the snap. Doesn't take a knee, but the refs blow the whistle, and you know kind of how I felt on the situation was the refs saying, "Well, we we knew what he wanted to do." We knew he we knew he wanted to take the knee. You know, I, I the NFL and sports in general should not be made on a on a uh, um, oh well, well well we knew we knew what you were going to do we knew what you meant there. No, I'm I'm sorry that that was the wrong call, and I thought the way that it was handled by the officiating staff afterwards by the black coach that just showed up on the field after uh, after the call was made. and more I think that that's a more normal thing. I couldn't believe you go on Facebook the next day, there's all these conspiracy videos about the, the referee and the black jet. Like, right. I think that's a pretty normal thing. No, I, and I did notice them throughout the Patriots um, Patriots game on after that there was um, that they were running two sets of referees. I think, I think the two sets of referees are normal for the playoffs. Um, I just never noticed it before, right? So you see these guys walk on, and you're like, who the hell are these two? And what are they doing? Um, 
But I, I think it's something that should have at least been looked at or been looked at differently. Um, I felt like at no point did the head ref who made the call have any right to sit there and say, um, "Oh well, well, well." More or less, I, I knew what he, I knew. He wanted to take the knee. He gave himself up. He did not give him. At no point did I see him give himself up there. And again, that could be my opinion. I, I I know you feel a little differently. I know there's some people out there that agree with with me, and I know there's some people out there that agree with how you're saying it. But at the end of the day, you read the rule book. That was a classic play of if the refs would have read the rule book correctly, that was a touchdown. All right, I hear you, man. Um, I think it was it was thinking about that at the time it happened. You're like, this is ridiculous. And by the end of the game, you're like, yeah, that was only like the eighth weirdest thing that happened. <laughs> this, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was a, uh, again, you know, it, it was such an up and down game. And, you know, my, my emotions at that point were sky high. I mean, we, we were talking earlier about where my confidence level was. At this point in the game, especially when we picked up that touchdown in the end zone, you know, later to get called back, my confidence level was pretty high at that point. I'm like, that's it. You know, we're up. We're, you know, we're going to win this game. It's, 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 we're good. We're good. We're up. We're going to go up 20 nothing. We're good. We got this game in hand. And I felt like that touchdown was the turning point. That non-touchdown was, sorry, became part of the turning point. All right, so the, the Bills, that was 13-0 is what they reverted to at that point. Uh, later in the third quarter, the Bills go up 16-0. End of the third, Deshaun Watson has a 20-yard run for a touchdown. He also runs in for the two-point conversion to make it 16-8. to End of three, Bills are up by eight. How are you feeling then? So on that touchdown, first of all, right, I am – I'm going to throw this out there too for, for all, all you guys out there. When we signed – Jordan Poyer in 2017, I thought 2017 he had a great year. Um, the last two years, I feel like his his game has has gone down, at least from from what I watch. I know stats kind of say a little differently, but from what I've seen, I feel like he hasn't been the same player since since what he was when we signed him. But for him not to be able to make that tackle, at least stop him before the end zone, blows my mind. You know, he gave up that that long run. He there were a few times throughout the year where he gave up deep pass where he looked like he was one out of position. Now, again, you know, I know we're running zones and things like that. I know they're, they're, you know, they have their assignment. Sure. But I just felt like Jordan Poyer could have made that tackle. 2017 Jordan Poyer is in position, makes that tackle. Maybe he runs for 15 yards, but he doesn't get in the end zone. And, and, and I, and, that's where I, I I thought okay now I'm getting nervous with this defense because I think our safeties you know outside of Tredavious White I think our safeties are 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 two of the best in the game when they're playing their game Poyer I I think was playing too much out of his head and I think that ended up hurting Buffalo down the stretch and I think not having your two safeties. Fully there, I thought. I thought Hyde had a fairly good game. Um, you know, he was one of those guys where you didn't hear his name mentioned too much. And truthfully, I'm I'm one of those believers that if you don't hear your name mentioned much, that's a good thing. You know, uh, I thought I thought Hyde played well. 
Porter, on the other hand, I felt like he, he missed tackles. I felt like he missed opportunities. I felt like he was caught out of position a couple times. Um, but those those two those two back there, I feel like if they they were together, I, th- I think we would have been been okay going forward. And and you even then you make that stop. Our our red zone defense, the Bills' red zone defense has been very good all year. I would trust them making a stop within you know within the five yard line. Um. And and unfortunately, again, he could not make that tackle. So Poyer, he's got one year left on his contract. He might be looking to renegotiate here and get something long-term done this offseason. It'll be interesting to see what the Bills do with that. Um, in this game, yeah, like you would you would like to not have Deshaun Watson run through your defense for a 20-yard touchdown. Um, but at that point in the game, like I honestly didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. I was like, okay, it's going to be the start of the fourth quarter. You're still up eight. Like I was kind of just like, you know what? It's going to happen. They're not going to get a shutout. Like... I kind of like just was ready to let it go at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, I I didn't think they were going to get a shutout. I didn't think that was, you know, obviously going to be a thing. I would have been very happy with the shutout. I would have just been happy with the damn victory at that point. Um, but no, I did not think they were going to get a shutout. Fine, they got a they got a touchdown. I had confidence in our offense. I'm I thought that we were going to come out and. Dable and McDermott were going to look at it and, and say, okay, guys, we gave one up. Now we got to go get one back. And they couldn't do that. But they did not. They uh, they allowed a 41-yard field goal early in the fourth quarter to make it 16-11. to 11. Late in the fourth quarter, Carlos Hyde scores a five-yard touchdown to, to give Houston a 19-16 lead. And then Deshaun Watson uh, connected with DeAndre Hopkins for the two-point conversion to give them a three-point lead. So there's 4.37 left. Bills are down by three. And there was other ridiculousness was still yet to come somehow in this game. <laughs> the, yeah, the the last couple drafts for Buffalo, and needless to say, the, the overtime was just mind-blowing to me. Just uh, unbelievable. I, I, I just couldn't. Could believe that watching this game, you know, you sit there and you watch the game and you say to yourself, or you're watching other games and you see this happening to other teams. You're like, man, this can never happen to my team. My team, no, no way. Like this, my my team will never be in this situation. Yada yada yada. And I kept telling myself that, right? Like, oh come on, how many times has this happened to other teams and. This isn't gonna happen, in Buffalo. Like, we're gonna be okay. We're gonna win this game. And as things keep going on, I'm like, okay, like now, now we're we're that team. We're that team that you you watch on TV. You know, on a Sunday afternoon after the Bills are done playing, and you watch and you're like, man, how could they lose this game? They were up by 16 points. How are they losing this game? And. Uh, the, the, the fourth quarter and the whole overtime period was just painful to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it felt like this to you, but a lot of times I think about the 2008 Monday night game against Dallas. <sighs> and everything that could have gone right for the Bills in that game went right with interceptions, fumbles, you know, special teams. And the whole time they're winning and you just felt it, you felt Dallas is going to come it, back. Something's going to go wrong. It felt the same way throughout this whole game. 
Same way. I was gonna say, really, I was gonna say I felt I like I really thought the Bills had it the whole way. Like I was, like it could have gone either way, but I thought they like I was gonna say it felt different to me from that game. You know, again, I had little expectations, I guess, at that point that we were going to to run away with the game. At no point throughout the game did I feel like comfortable because we kept getting field goals. Had we gotten a touchdown somewhere in there and gone up twenty. Or twenty-one to nothing, I would have felt very confident, and my 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 emotions would have probably been very calm at that point. But for us not to for the for the Bills not to be able to um, again get those touchdowns when they needed them most, and Dable not able to write up a perfect drive like what he did the first drive of the game. That's gonna hurt you in the long run, and it and it hurt Buffalo. It did. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna skip ahead a little bit on the Bills' drive here. They're trailing by three. Final minutes of the of the, of the game, they are doing. They started well. They're in in Houston territory. First down. You're feeling pretty good. You're down by three. If you want to look at the expected points added on Pro Football Reference. First and 10 on the 25, you're looking at 3.9 expected points from that position. That uh, is more than the three you need. So obviously you're, you're, they're saying you're more likely to get a touchdown at that point, but like three it should be the minimum expectation from, from this point. And you got the two-minute warning coming up. You're like, okay, you know, bare minimum, they're kicking the field goal for overtime, but you really want to you know, pound in the end zone win the game. So first and, first and 10. Josh Allen incomplete deep right. If I remember correctly, this throw was not catchable out of bounds. Is that is that what you're remembering? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, second and ten. Frank Gore left guard for minus three yards. Great. So they're backed up to the twenty-eight, which is still in field goal range for sure. It's third and thirteen. All you're thinking here: don't take a sack. Don't do anything stupid. Bare minimum. It's third down now. If you want to get back to the expected points, you're down to 2.28. You're most likely looking at a field goal here. Just don't do anything stupid. And what happens, Charlie? Allen goes 15 yards backwards, throws a throws a floater to no one. John Feliciano touches it. Um, you know they decline the illegal touching penalty to take intentional grounding instead. So you're going from. Third and or you had first and ten on the twenty-five. You're now backed up with the Frank Gore loss and the penalty to fourth and twenty-seven on the forty-two out of field goal range. Yeah, that was very frustrating. But I, I I think the one thing that everyone forgets about there as well is the last few drives, the offensive line seemed to forget what the hell they were doing. <laughs> um you know, if if I and I'm if I remember that play correctly, and, and forgive me, it's been two weeks that I've been trying to get this game out of the out of my head. Um, but if I if I remember correctly, they came in with an all-out blitz. I mean, Josh didn't have far to go, but we did see the old Josh Allen at that point, the Josh Allen who last season would revert to just running backwards to try to avoid pressure, and I thought that's one thing that he he did not do so much throughout the year. He looked a lot better this year at making sure he wasn't falling super far back into the pocket or running backwards or 
just running around like a maniac for no reason with the ball, right? He he did he did a better job of saying, okay, you then you stand in here and take the sacks. Once he got past his interception issues that he had, you know, or he was able to get out of the pocket and throw the ball away. Unfortunately, um, I felt like last quarter and a half, Josh Allen and overtime, Josh Allen was Josh Allen who felt like he needed to be a hero. And I thought that's what we saw a little bit on that play was Josh thought, if I keep backing up, I have enough arm strength where I can get this ball to someone downfield. And there was nobody there. He put himself in too deep of a hole. And when you have an offensive line that can't give you one to two seconds back in the pocket to at least look to get rid of the ball at that point, that's a recipe for disaster. And the the offensive line really let him down, in my opinion, um, on that on that play specifically. Yeah, I agree with you about the line. And this was sort of the point in the game where I start thinking that, you know, wow, offensive line still might be something that they need to like really address this offseason. Like that, that like like you said, that drive was not good. Houston was was definitely bringing the blitz and the Bills had no answer for that at all. And but I will say I don't think that's totally on the line still. Josh Allen still needs to know the situation. Still, like, th- this was becoming, at this point in the game, it was starting to become apparent that he he's a little bit out of his depth right here. This game's getting a little bit too big for him. He's not really processing everything mm-hmm. the way he, he should be. It's like, you need to know the situation. And if you see an all-out blitz and you feel like you have nothing, just throw it away or take even a small sack. Like, just don't, don't blow the chance of the field goal. Instead, he does, like, the worst possible thing that you right. could do. You know, the, the, this goes back to what we were saying before, or what I was saying before. Josh Allen's in a second year. Um, he he still has a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. But look at the steps that he made from year one to year two. I knew he wasn't going to be perfect in this game. And, and boy, let me tell you, we got every single possible Josh Allen that you could possibly get in a single game. It was like a... Uh, winter day in Buffalo when you get all four seasons. We got all four seasons of Josh Allen that game. <laughs> we did. We're, we're going to get there. There's more than plenty of Oh, yes. Though. All right, so then, Charlie, it's fourth and 27. 141 left. You got all three timeouts. What did you think? Did, did punting come into your mind there, or were you still thinking about going Oh, yeah. Forward? I mean, I thought for sure if they punt the ball away that, um, you know, at that point you're giving them a short field or you're giving them a longer, longer field. I did not want to give them a short field to work. Um our defense wasn't playing great. The the, the defense was, um, you know, in my opinion, showing some holes and showing so, so some some problems throughout the second half. Um, you know, they they looked tired from being on the field so much because the offense was not able to move the ball as much in the second half, like what they were doing in the first half. So yeah, so I was I was scared that if we don't get this. Um, we're going to give them a short field and they, they can easily march down and and um, kick a field goal and, and win the game when we're done. But, man, when Josh Allen took that sack, man, again, I feel like same thing on that play that happened on, on the third down play. The offensive line just completely gave up. And, and again, Josh Allen um, runs himself backwards, runs himself into a hole at that point. And that was bad Josh Allen we saw in that play as well. Two plays back-to-back, and he was going back to rookie Josh Allen problems. Um, 
Again, I think these are things that he's going to learn from going forward. But I don't think the offensive line helped him. And like you said too, Nick, that drive alone was the drive that I started realizing like, okay, we need to do something for this offensive line. This offensive line is letting letting this quarterback down. You have a young, inexperienced quarterback in his first playoff game. You need more out of your O-line at that point. And I know it's a lot to put on the O-line and tell them, you know, tell them the same thing. You have a young, inexperienced, first-time playoff game quarterback. You need to do as much as you can to help him and help him succeed. With 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 that said, though, you can't take a sack and lose 19 yards. I was, yeah, just just mind blowing. They started on the 25, lost three yards, lost 14 yards on a penalty, sacked for 19 yards long. Like, you can't. You just how can that happen? That's unbelievable. So. Houston's going to take over on the Buffalo 39, like almost in field goal range already. Bills had all three timeouts. Houston gets one first down, the game's Ooh. over. Or they can also probably get into field goal range with a couple yards. Could go up six. Uh, ended up being a pretty good stand by Buffalo's defense. Also thanks in part to uh, Bill O'Brien and Houston's play calling here. Uh, pretty predictable. Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde, timeout, timeout. And then fourth and one on the Buffalo 30. This was also an interesting call. You got 121 left. Houston's up by three. They could kick the field goal to go up six, or they can go for the first down. It's fourth and one. If they get the first down, they win the game. Buffalo can't stop the clock. If they kick the field goal, they probably win the game. Um, I actually like the call to go for it. You know, I, I was okay with that, with, with them being in that position. I mean... Let Houston do what they need to do. They're trying to put the game away. I get it. I, I didn't think it was a problem with that. Um, but the number of times that I think Bill O'Brien throughout the game should have went for it or should not have punted it away, um, you know, that's a whole conversation for a whole nother, n- another episode with Bill O'Brien's play calling was just atrocious. <laughs> To, to, to say the yep. least. Uh, so he so so he goes for it. He runs the Sean Watson up the middle. Bill's defense uh, made a pretty big stop here. Huge stop. They basically kept their season alive. Star Latulale was credited with the tackle. Bill's takeover. One sixteen left on their own thirty, down by three points. And you're thinking, okay, there's one sixteen. You don't have any timeouts, but you have time. Mm-hmm. Like one, you can do a lot in one sixteen. And Josh Allen goes out there and is the one person who most of any Bills fan, any person watching this game, should be, should be, the last thing he hears before he goes on the field should be, hey, you have time, it's okay, we're going to do this, like, if we trust you, whatever, you got to tell the kid. But, like, you have time. And he goes out there on the first play, 18-yard run, incredible to gain 18 yards. And then, oh my gosh, what is he doing? He laterals the ball, falling sideways to Dawson Knox, who is freaking out that how could you toss me the ball oh my gosh the ball is loose i need to bat this thing out of bounds and you're just just i don't know you can tell me what you thought i'm sitting there like the the moment is just too big for this guy like what is he doing like his brain is short-circuiting this is this is the worst thing i thought the exact same thing at that point i thought okay josh like someone's gotta 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 grab you and calm you down and that's when you know I look at it like Dable needs to do something. And, and I know we had no, you know, Buffalo had no timeouts left there. There wasn't anything that they could really do in that situation to really say, 
okay, Josh, come here, breathe. Take a second, breathe. You, you can do this. Um, but I thought, why, why is he at? I was yelling at him for pitching the ball and laddering it backwards. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, if if by some miracle this would have worked, like Knox had no one in front of him for another 10 yards, it would have been a great play. We would have been looking at this completely different, I think, at that point, right? But No, no, no. I got to stop you there. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> this is, to, In my opinion, this is just, just the wrong play. Like, there's no reason to risk losing the ball you if anything goes wrong your season is over you have more time there's absolutely no need for that no and and again you know i i was so up and down with emotion throughout especially and again crazy thing to say man there's still so much that happens between this play and the end of the game (laughs) you know but at this point i'm i'm i i had no faith going into this last drive that they were going to get a field goal I thought um, the game was over at this point. I mean, when Josh got sacked on the previous drive that Buffalo had, I had to leave the house. I had to go for a walk real quick. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. It's over. Like, I got to go at least go calm down and, and go cool myself off for a second. But then this happens. I'm So what, ha- what, what happens immediately on the next series, though? Third down, third and ten. You're like, oh boy, here's Josh Allen. And then what does he do? Pulls an incredible play out of his hat, rolls out, keeps the play alive. And and and, and Just, that's up and down Josh Allen. We again we saw all four seasons of Josh Allen. We saw all four seasons of Josh Allen in this last drive. You know, the, this last drive of the fourth quarter, we saw so many so much different Josh Allen in that 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 last part of the fourth quarter there. We saw the Josh Allen we've seen progress throughout the whole year. The Josh Allen that we saw at the beginning of the game and, and, and for most of the first half. And then you go in and and the next two plays after that to uh, play to John Brown, two incomplete passes. One to John Brown, one to Isaiah McKenzie. Um, and I believe that one to Isaiah McKenzie is almost an interception or should have been an interception. Uh, Bradley Roby just dropped it. Yeah, Ro- Roby should have had himself like like a career day, and instead he just dropped every. He should have two, at least. I know one should have been a pick six. I at least two. I, I, I think this yeah. one was another one that he should have had, but um, you know would have sealed the game. But then again, he 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 finds Cole Beasley in the middle, hits Cole Beasley, gets the first down. You know what looked like a first down. Refs marked it short. It goes to be reviewed, and. Smart thinking. I will. I will give credit where credit's due. There. Smart thinking on McDermott to. You already got your punt team out there. Just tell Bohorquez, spike the ball. And the field, field goal, goal team. team. Yes. Go 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 spike the ball. Spike the ball. Can, can I just tell you though? I was freaking. Oh, out. I'd be lying to you if I said your I was. Season on the line, and you're trusting the punter to take a snap. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch next to my girlfriend, like. Oh my! Like, what are they doing? And she's like, "Like, what do you mean? He's, he's a football player." I'm like, "No, this is a punter." And then, like, as soon, like, right after that, I think ESPN said the same thing. And I'm like, "See, I'm not crazy." Like, like, just oh my gosh, they're trusting the punter. Yeah, I I was very scared. I said the same thing to my wife. I'm like, "Why is our punter taking the snap?" You know, it worked. It worked out fine. Um, Josh Allen took took two two deep passes for Duke Williams. Um, 
both of which I think he could have caught, or at least one of them I feel like he could have caught there in the end zone. You know, it goes back to another Duke William opportunity, Duke William chance that he makes all these great catches in practice, makes all these great pra- makes all these great catches that we see on Twitter and social media, but when you need him to make that, that, that big spectacular catch, he doesn't make it. And that's where, like you said earlier, Nick, you get a real receiver in there that is not five foot ten or under six feet. You get a real receiver in there over six feet, he's making that catch. I think. At least yeah, one now of you're making me nervous that I, I forgot the Duke Williams play. I can't remember if, if it was the one I said earlier, if it was if it was this time when he had his hands on the ball in the end zone. But I did I I did think here you had this guy who wasn't even on the active roster like most of the season, right? And it's this is crunch time your season's on the line two plays in a row this is the guy Allen's going for I'm like maybe they have something here maybe this guy's going to be a part of it down the road yeah you know and and I'm okay with them bringing back Duke um next year I, I think he can definitely find a role on this team all right so Steven Hauschka hits from 47 Bills f- somehow forced overtime against all odds uh Go out for the coin toss. I still think it's dumb that the overtime setup where not every, not both teams might touch the ball. It's like if you get the kickoff, you go and score, that's it. I kind of like the college system. That's a whole different debate. Houston got the ball here. Bills ended up getting a stop here. What are you feeling at this point? So at that point, I'm like, all right, Buffalo just needs a field goal. right? We're, uh, we moved the ball pretty well at the end of the fourth quarter. I thought for sure, just keep moving the ball. Do what you were doing before. Move the ball, move the ball. Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary didn't touch the ball whatsoever in overtime. Completely um, was no longer on the roster at that point, you know. Um, But he had so many opportunities to go out there and, in my opinion, drive the ball down and, and get a field goal and win that game. And I think... Dabled play calling, poor play calling, and cons- conservative play calling showed up there. I think he he did have moments, don't get me wrong, because you had the deep ball to Patrick DeMarco, which I'll let you give your, your thoughts oh on that in God. a second. We're going to get but, there. <laughs> but he, he, he had times where he dialed up plays, but it wasn't the right play. You know, um, on that DeMarco deep ball, why is... Well, let's talk about the first play first. The first play, Josh runs to the left for 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 negative two yards. Why is that your first play there? Why are you running with your quarterback? I get it. I think they run with with Josh way too much altogether. I think they put him, they subject him to way too many hits. Yes. Period. Like it yes. just take care of the guy. He's your exactly. franchise. Exactly. And I, I I think I'm I'm all for him using his legs. I think he is a very good runner and I feel like at times uh he doesn't get enough credit for what he can do with his legs. Look at what he did to start the game, you know. He started the game with that beautiful run and I thought, okay, you know, you're running that play again, fine. But the defense this time knew it, knew it was coming and sniffed it out. But again, why is that your first play? Why aren't you running it with your best player? At, the, at that time, which was Devin Singletary. Why aren't you giving him the ball? Um, right. I don't and then it. And then you go into the second play. Why is your fullback 
running deep. For what reason is your fullback on a streak deep? I don't know if it was a decoy. I don't know what it was. All right, I'm not. I'm not a huge X's and O's guy. My the best theory that makes the most sense to my brain is that you split a, a fullback, or if you do split him out wide, or if you just have him run deep, he in theory could be a good, a great decoy. If he's going deep, somebody's got to cover him. And in fact, if you ended up having Patrick DeMarco take out a safety and another guy in coverage. That should sound like a win for the Bills offense if two guys are covering DeMarco. And instead, Josh Allen sees this and chucks a deep ball into double coverage for the mm-hmm. fullback. And you're like, every single person on earth watching this is like, what? what is happening? How, like, who thinks this is okay to do? And to be unfair, if Patrick DeMarco like jumps half a second later and times it right, he probably catches that ball because the coverage ended up being so right. terrible. But just like what, what would make Josh Allen think that that's a good decision with the football in overtime of a playoff game for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in in how many years? Well, and like, I I can't still can't get over the fact. Yes, Josh Allen should not have made that throw. Josh should not have thrown that ball to DeMarco, especially watching the replay. You see. John Brown come across the screen, um, wide open, uh, um, you know, coming come across for the first down, but I'm fine. You dump it off to John Brown, let him use his feet, let him use his agility, um, and let him get you as close to the first down. Instead of going into being third and 12, maybe it's third and four, right? Um, I know, but it's just, it's just careless. It, it's so frustrating that the guy doesn't understand the value of the football and is willing to just put put a pass in that and situation. that is hero josh allen that that i think we saw for the first four or five weeks of this season the josh allen that we really in my opinion haven't seen since the first patriots game of the year where he had those four interceptions and he was trying to do too much and we started seeing that josh allen throughout uh throughout the end of this game um he tried to be too much of, I'm going to go out this, I'm going to throw the whole team on my back, and I can do this. And I think he needed to do more of, let me rely on my team, and let me worry about getting first downs and not trying to get 40-yard bombs and trying to end this game now. You know, they... Right, I think he he made he made a big big progress during mm-hmm. the bye week, especially that Cleveland loss seemed to be a, be a wake-up call for him. And then to just pick the worst time, just like you said, to go back to Well, it. let alone they get they get two first downs this drive. They they started the drive at thirteen minutes and twenty six seconds. Nine minutes they're putting it away. Why are you trying to rush through this? Why are you not taking your time? It's the clock's gonna tick down no matter what. You there's no reason why we had to run a hurry up offense in that situation or try to get out of the huddle early and snap the ball early. Take your time. Get the right plays out. Help your quarterback. And this is where an offensive coordinator that is going to play up to their quarterback's strengths, which I think Dable showed through some of the game where he played up to Josh's strengths, and some play, sometimes with the play call he did not. Um, or, or, or any of the players' strengths, in my opinion, throughout the last um, uh, throughout overtime, especially on that last drive. But... 
Josh has to understand, like you said, you can't just chuck the ball up like that. You don't have to be the hero all the time. You know, you don't have to put the team on your back all the time. I I I I love the fight that he has. I love his will and and, and his want to win. But he needs to understand that he doesn't need to be perfect. And if that's if that's my one big knock on Josh Allen, I I, I think that's probably about it. You don't need no. You don't need to be perfect all the time. You don't need to be the hero all the time. Just got to put your team in positions to win, and execute what is called. And at times throughout the fourth quarter and overtime, most of the time he was not able to do that. Uh, I think we also need to give a shout out. Dawson Knox uh, had an incredible <laughs> juke on uh, third and twelve to keep the drive alive. Yes. Uh, Josh Allen just threw threw way short of the sticks on third and twelve in overtime, and Dawson Knox bailed him out. Great juke, picks up a first down. Unfortunately, Dawson Knox uh, was it three plays later here. Josh Allen's running around right end. You, you know the Bills run the they got down to the forty three. You see Allen come around. You're like he's got blockers mm-hmm. ahead of him. He's gonna get into field goal range. The Bills are gonna win the game. Like oh my, and like you you have like these three thoughts that happen in, in three milliseconds mm-hmm. in your brain. And then Dawson Knox doesn't block Cunningham, mm-hmm. and Cunningham lights up Josh Allen with a helmet-to-helmet hit that was not called. Would have given the Bills absolutely in field goal range, and they didn't call it, which is a, another thing we can talk about. But I just it shouldn't have even come to that. Knox just missed the block like that. I can't and, and can't fathom how and that Mitch can Morris. I thought if Mitch to me, I saw Mitch Morris more than Dawson Knox there. I thought if, if if Morris makes that block, I think that springs Josh Allen. Um, it's like you got two guys looking at you like, I thought you were going to do it. Well, and, and the one thing too, Nick, that, that, that I think we missed there is the one play in overtime to Devin Singletary. You give him the ball once. He picked up 14 yards for you. Picks up the first down to give you those last uh, three or four plays, which... We all know how that ended, but why didn't Singletary touch the ball more in overtime? Why? I don't get it. that first play. Was it like a like a not even that well of an executed screen pass, and he still made made something of it. It was incredible to see. You're like, this looks like every other team that you watch. They have these guys who just make things out of nothing, and we have that guy, and then we just stop giving him the ball. All right, so two plays later. Third and nine on the 42. You are thinking you need a couple yards to get into field goal range. Even if you don't get the first down, you just need something for Hauschka to be able to try a game-winning field goal. And so Allen scrambles, comes around the right end. He gains four yards. Everything looks great. You're like, wow, the Bills are going to have a chance. It's great. He got it. He's up to the 35. And... No, there's a flag. Cody Ford called for an illegal blindside block because he was running back sort of towards his own goal line. Shoved a guy. Looked like, you know, you're a high school hallway where you just, you know, somebody gets shoved and you're like, oh, that was weird. Then you just go on with your day and like nothing's wrong. And instead, this is going to cost the Bills a possible chance to win the game. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. Um, the new blindside block rule in the league sucks. I'm just gonna say that now. Um, it's te- it's a terrible, 
terrible call. I get it, right? Yes. Like, like they're trying to take out plays where people just get absolutely Correct. destroyed without even seeing it coming. And for for the number of calls that I felt throughout the game, on, on both sides, not just on Houston's side, but Buffalo side as well, for the amount of calls that game that went uncalled and the things that they missed in that game that went uncalled, to make that call at that time, you know, um, Nick, you, you and I are both hockey players. We've we've been in situations where you're down and, you, and you're in overtime. What what do the refs usually do in overtime? Unless it's something... Swallow the whistle. You. Unless something really needs to be called, like an obvious hold or an obvious pass interference, I feel like the referees need to do the same thing in the NFL. And this is a, 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 a spot where you just swallow your whistle. I will say watching it in real time on TV... Yes, it looked like um, um, Cody Ford blew up his man. But when they re-showed it and slowed it down, I was like, I, what? <laughs> I, I was at a loss for words. And Yeah, my, my first immediate thought on that play is, okay, he's got the, the field goal range. Second thought, oh no, Ford's running back towards the, his own goal line. And then the third immediate thought was, Oh, good. He barely touched them. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Except it wasn't fine. The referees should have stayed out of it. Instead, they threw a penalty, which the, their own, the head of officiating, or the former head of officiating, goes on Twitter and says, I didn't think that was a penalty. Yeah. I, uh, By the way, he got fined $28,000 for that play, which is ridiculous. Shouldn't have even been a penalty. When you add up the the extra amount on the fine, the dollars and cents, he got fined more for that play than he made playing mm-hmm. in the game. Well, like the, and then again, I'm going to go off topic here real quick. But how do you fine him for that and not fine Damian Clowney for his hit? Ridiculous. Blows my mind. There has to be something something changed in this league officiating all year. And again, Buffalo got a lot of calls this year as well, but. There were so many calls throughout the year all over the league that the officiating, I I was like, are the replacement refs back? Like, what is going on here? It felt like the replacement refs all over again many times. It's like, what are they seeing? Why are they making so many calls? The the challenge of the pass interference, that was a joke. That that was a joke all year. Um for the amount of times that it went uncalled on the field to be challenged and be an obvious pass interference for it not to get called at that point, I think is a joke. But the officiating all year has been a problem and needs to be addressed, I think, this offseason. And I think the officiating, um, especially in the fourth quarter in overtime, was absolutely terrible. All right, let me ask you one one other thing about this that, that I thought about this week. Let's say they don't call the penalty there. Bills would have had, I misspoke earlier, I said the 35, it would have been the 38-yard line. It would have been fourth and five. I Now that I look at it more, I don't know that Sean McDermott sends Hauschka out for the field goal there. It would have been on the 38-yard line, it would have been a 56-yard field goal. I really don't know. I think they might have went for the fourth and five. I looked up every kick Hauschka had, had taken this year. He was 26 for 32 on the season, including the four he hit. In this playoff game. Yeah. His longest one of the season was 51. He had missed twice from 53. He had missed from 62. He also had missed from 49 and 50. So anything 
when the Bills had the ball beyond their 30-yard line and you moved back 18 yards for a kick. So anything beyond the 30, a 49-yarder and above, he was one for six this season. Do you think for a 56-yarder, McDermott was really going to send him out there? Like You would like to think your kicker can hit one to win the playoff game. I don't actually know if McDermott would have done it. You know, I was thinking that too. Um, when they were saying it on on TV that you know, oh yeah, took took takes your team out of out of field goal range. Um, you know, or, or that that penalty is going to take out of field goal range. I don't know if we would have kicked that. I don't know if Hauschka would have made that. I think um, you know he's had. I mean, he had a good game. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like I would like to think he, that he, he does. He's been another guy though. He had he's had so many up and down moments and. And I think it hurts you more to, to miss that kick um, and, and risk that at that point of the game, um, especially when, you know, we get one more stop and get the ball back. And I think McDermott and the rest of the coaching staff had the faith in their defense to, to go and make that stop again. And um, I, I just think that, that he would not have sent the field goal unit out. I think he would have punted it. Um, would have punted, not no, even gone for I, it. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- again, I don't think you go for it. I don't think you worry about trying to give them a short field to work. If you can put them back, uh, you know, even even back to the twenty at that point, you're taking them. They got to go eighty yards at least to get a touchdown. Um, you know, 60, uh, 60 to forty yards to go get a field goal. And you know what? Your defense was playing good. I don't think you, you, you risk it there. And, and and truthfully, I don't think McDermott is aggressive enough to do that. I think there would have been a riot if he punted there. I think, again, I don't think McDermott is aggressive enough. I Do I wish he was more aggressive? Yes. Do I wish that he took more chances? Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that he really needs to work on, um, you know, this offseason and many other seasons going forward, is he needs to... No one to be more aggressive in situations like that, and 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 I th- I think we saw too much this year where we could have went for it, and and he said no, you know send the punt team out, whatever it might have been, you know. Wow. All right, I I I mean they went for fourth and twenty seven. I think I was assuming they would have went for it on right. fourth and five. I think a punt there. Oh, don't uh, people would be extremely upset. Right, and and. I feel like it's two different situations at that point, Nick. And, and again, I could very much be wrong, but I feel like 4th and 27, you're down three points. You need to try to get yourself a first down just to keep a field goal alive, just to try to tie the game. And I think, again... I mean, you're, you're going for you're going for a game with right. a field goal there. In but again, I think McDermott being the defensive-minded guy... Oh, I'm sorry. You, you were talking about 4th and 27 yeah. there. But, 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 but even the overtime play, which we were talking about before... McDermott being the defensive guy that he is, I think McDermott would have thought, my defense can go out and get a stop, gets the ball back, give us a short field to work, and let's get out of here. And I think he was looking – I think McDermott would have looked at it like, okay, let's look for – let's look at the next drive. And you'll say they never got that next drive. The penalty knocked them out of field goal range. They ended up having to punt. And, um, you know, at that point – you, you you pin them down inside this inside the twenty at the seventeen, and I I thought for sure at this point I thought for sure that um, our defense that the defense could have held them at that point, um, but I 
and they start they started the drive yeah. well. They ended up hunting. Houston gets the ball. You got them backed into third and eighteen. You're feeling pretty good, and then they just decide. Everyone decided to drop well beyond the sticks. Duke Johnson get the ball short of the first down and just ran, just ran in I, open field. He didn't have to. Make I was fine miss. with that because I'm like, great, play, play the sticks. But it seemed like everybody forgot to step up at that point. Once, once Duke Johnson caught the ball, you got to step up and stop. And it seemed like everyone just stayed at that line of scrimmage and was afraid to come. Or sorry, stayed at the first down marker and was afraid. To, um, to come up and make a stop. Yeah, that was the easiest eighteen yards Duke Johnson has yeah. ever gained. Like no one, no there was one, nobody in front of him. He didn't have to make anyone miss. He just ran forward. Right, and 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 that was, um, you know, one of those times where so right, where I thought that the defense, again, we were seeing the defense that that seemed to slowly throughout the second half started slowly. Uh, uh, you know, taking a downward spiral, and I felt like at that point, um, the momentum completely just went away from from the Bills. Right, right. In this game, was looking for someone to take control of it, and was looking for someone to put the team on the back and say, "I got this." There were Josh Allen had chances and pitched them away while falling backwards, and in Deshaun Watson, as we're about to see here, he says, "You know what?" I'm calling game, all right? He's got two blitzers coming at him, two hits, and just takes them both. I don't know how the physics of that even worked. I don't know if one hit helped them, you know, absorb the other hit and stay up. It was un- They're going to show highlights of that play for years to come. Deshaun Watson avoids two should-have-been tacklers, hits former Bill Taiwan Jones, who runs up for 34 yards, basically seals the game, and the camera cuts right back to Deshaun Watson flexing. And you and you, all I could think of was um, the Davo Swinney quote about if you pass on this guy, you're passing on Michael Jordan. Like this is this is the guy. He called game. He took it over. Deshaun Watson just beat the Bills. Okay, before before I get into all of that, Nick, and and I and I will absolutely touch on that last play because I got a lot to say about that. The third and eighteen. I think the one thing we forgot to touch on here was the delay of game that was not called. That is true. The the play clock had hit zeros and for 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 a know, solid a while, second and a half. Right, right, right. It was sometimes it'll be oh, ready to flip to zero, then they snap it. This was like a you know a moment, and then another pause, and then another pause, and then they snapped it, and you're like, what? Right, the, how- and sometimes, I mean, I know it happens. It doesn't mean it's right, but, like, you've seen it happen before. Well, you, you hear so much of, you know, coming from the guys on the field, and I, and I know, you know, you hear the guys, uh, you know, the officiator, the, the officials say, um, the play clock that we see and the play clock that they, because they have to look up, so they more or less have that, you know, half a second between the play clock when it runs out and when they look up at the play clock. And at that point, when that hits zero, then they throw the flag. It was a clear zeros on on the play clock for, like you said, at least a second and a half, maybe two seconds. And for them not to make that call, again, goes back to what I was saying before. 
the officiating in the overtime and the and, and the whole second half was an absolute joke. It was almost like my my wife said it best. The NFL hates the Buffalo Bills. Any <laughs> I don't know if I'm no, going that far. But I, it felt that way to me. I'm like the NFL just does not want to see Buffalo be good. You know, they're still holding the grudge over us not wanting to move to Toronto and us being a, a small market and this and that, but you know, I went through every scenario in my head for why the NFL could hate us. Man, I had people in my Twitter mentions after the game being like, oh, the league got the result they wanted. I'm like, I don't think it was really like that. Like, the Bills had a lot of chances that they could have just won the game on their own. Like, did the refs mess up? Yeah, but, like, it wasn't a conspiracy to take the but Bills that, out. But that, that delay of game backs them up to third and 25 at the, or 23, 23 at that point. it would have been. And... I, I think at that point your defense could I would hope I mean granted I thought they could make a stop on third and eighteen and they couldn't even do that yeah but I well, I would hope they can make a stop, stop on third and twenty three right um but they couldn't even make the stop on third and eighteen they move on we get to the the Sean Watson play and man as soon as can you tell me how this guy stayed up if so so from what I saw in the replay both the guys were going at him and it looked like if only one guy was going at him I think he goes down. But it looked like he just bounced off of um, Milano. And just the way that he was hit at the right time, he bounced off Milano and he bounced off the other tackler, who I think was Saran Neal. Um, bounced off Saran Neal, and that was it. I mean, neither one of them tried to wrap up. I think they, they each saw the guy on the other side and, and maybe have thought, right? maybe thought the other one was going to wrap, wrap up. up? I, you gotta wrap up, man. You gotta wrap up. So the the Texans took over on the ten yard line. Ended up, or I'm sorry, they they got down to the ten yard line. Hit a 28 yard field goal to win That's the it. game. That was all she wrote. That is and, all. And that she was the wrote. game. And, um, and my heart got ripped out of my chest for about a good. Uh, I, I I honestly I could barely watch the uh, the Patriots game, but. The Patriots losing kind of helped that uh, that pain that I was feeling. Um, but man, you know, j- just to know that there was a victory sitting right there, just to win one. I, I I did not think that the Bills were a playoff team. I did not think that they were going to go to the AFC Championship game. You know, I thought wherever they had to go, they they weren't getting past Baltimore and they weren't getting past Kansas City. They're still pieces away from getting there. But this was a very winnable game that they should have won. And I think the coaching staff has a lot to learn from this. And, you know, from what we know and from what we've seen from Sean McDermott in the past, I think he'll go out and improve. I think Brian Dable, who, you know, for some reason, he got head coaching calls from uh, from Cleveland and, and he even got a... a offensive coordinator call from the Giants to go possibly be their offensive coordinator and we told them no on that one he's getting calls and he's getting recognized around the league and I think it's because of the strides that Josh Allen has made and I hope that he can continue to make those strides with Josh Allen throughout next year and Josh Allen's able to take another step. I'm not saying Josh is going to come out and be elite I'm not saying that Josh Allen's going to be Tom Brady or anything like that but if he can come out and be a Deshaun Watson, 
I'm happy with that. I, in, in my opinion, I don't think Deshaun Watson's an elite quarterback yet. I think he may be in, a, in a, you know one or two more years, but I don't think he he's at that level of being elite. But if Josh Allen can start taking those steps, um, you know, I, I I think he's trending upward, and I think after this season, he is trending upward. I think the team is trending upward. Um, I think you're a couple offensive offensive linemen away. Continue to shore up that offensive line. Go out and re-sign Quentin Spain um, for what you can. Go get him back, man. That is so important to that offensive line, I feel. Especially the fact that he didn't give up a sack all year. All right, we can we can start to wrap this up because I know we've been going for a while. But let me, let me just ask you, because I know you started this podcast saying you're, you're the big Josh Allen fan and you're going to defend him. So just let, let me just at least ask the question to you mm-hmm. and I'll let you respond, all right? So Josh... Allen, and hopefully he's going to learn from this game, right? Like, he's not just going to pretend it didn't happen and go out there and make the right. same mistakes. But in some level, this this was this was Josh Allen. Like, this is what we what they signed up for. Can be a goofball. He can have this rocket arm. He can be this big, glorious, reckless man-child sometimes. And you... I mean, I, th- I think the example that we talked about earlier was exactly what you get with Josh Allen. Once in a while, you get this unbelievable play. He extends the play. He rolls out. He stops. He throws across his body to a guy who you thought was covered first down. And it's like, wow, you never know what's going to happen with this guy. This Mm -hmm. is great. And then right after, he's throwing deep into double coverage for the fullback. And you're like, oh, yeah, you never know what's going to happen with this guy. And to me, like reconciling both sides of Josh Allen, knowing that you have a coach like Sean McDermott, who does not really seem to be one to like just roll the dice and see what happens. Like he wants everything very structured, very according to the process. He wants everything like to be Mr. Clean. And and I don't know that 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 can how long that can coexist in Sean McDermott's realm here. And And the worry about it is that this is always going to be what you get with Josh. If you if you get three good plays, you know that there's more reckless stuff coming. If you have a run of six good games, how do you know that it's really six good games of talent and not just a lucky streak of not making a ridiculous decision? Like it goes and swings. You know this is what you get with him. How do you ever feel comfortable? That it's really up and there's not something more that's going to just, it's just random instead of true progress. You know, like you said, this is what they signed up for. I think coming out of college and, and going into that draft two years ago, they knew that Josh Allen, in my opinion, was the biggest project out of all those quarterbacks taken in the first round. You know, maybe and may, maybe Lamar would, would, was a little bit more of a project because you really didn't know what you were going to get with him yet. But I think Josh coming from the small school, um, really kind of same thing. His, he knew he had a strong arm, and you knew he was going to take time to work and take time to um, to really get himself up to speed and and and. And, and learn the game and learn the NFL game. Um, you know, obviously the plan wasn't for him to have to start 
at all last year, but or to um, um, but for some crazy reason, you want to start Nate Peterman to start your season, which blows my mind for a whole nother amount of reasons. What they saw in him, I I don't understand, but I think touching on your point, Nick, on the the, the, the six games and, and, and what have you gotten with him. I thought last year he started to show signs of improvement um, once he came back from injury. I think him sitting behind Derek Anderson for those few games when he was out hurt last year really helped him. Um, I thought early on this season, not having Derek Anderson there to help him um, grow throughout this year hurt him a little bit. You know, Matt Barkley is a veteran, but let's face it, Matt, Bar- Matt Barkley has not seen as much as Derek Anderson has, and Derek Anderson was not a half-bad start in this league, whereas Barkley, you know, we know what Barkley's done, and it's not much in the league. Um, but I think we started to see signs of improvement as the year went on last year. And I think as the year went on this year, and the Bills started opening up that playbook a little bit more, and started putting more trust in Josh and letting him do what he needed to do, he started to show signs of improvement. Especially, like I said before, after that Patriots game where he threw those four interceptions, he know he he came out of that game and, and he knew he could not do that anymore and could not take those chances, could not take those risks. And um you know, he, he cleaned himself up. I think now his focus needs to be on trying to fix up these fumbles that he had um, throughout the year and holding on to the ball. You know, he had a big fumble in the playoff game that I thought hurt hurt them. And I think at times when he's running with the ball, he gets careless with it. Um, but I think that he's shown too many signs of improvement, and it's not just a, uh, okay, he played good for six games. I think he's shown too many signs of improvement. I think the offensive, the offensive coaches, and McDermott, and Bean, all believe in him. Now, if Buffalo was to go out and get a quarterback, you know, a young quarterback in this draft, to maybe say, well, "Look, we're going to bring you in, be the third string, and just be there just in case," I'm okay with that. I'm okay with competition for Josh. You know, at this point, I don't think that as much as a fan as I am of him. I don't think he's yet completely earned the right to be comfortable. But I don't know how much pressure you want to put on him because we saw in the playoff game how he plays when he's under too much pressure and he gets outside of his own head and tries to do too much. Um, but I, I, I think, again, I'm very high on him and I'm very positive for what we saw. And I think he's going to take another big step forward next year. It might be one week or two weeks before we see the complete Josh Allen again, you know, but I think he's going to take that big step and uh, he's got to mature. And, and with maturity comes improvement. And I think the, the, the more snaps he gets in this league and the more continuity that he gets with his offensive coordinator, which as much as I want to see see Dable go, I thought it was great that he's sticking around and Josh doesn't need to go and learn a new offense under a new offensive coordinator. He knows what he needs to do. He knows his offense. He knows what's going on. Now let him work on what he needs to improve this year and work on what he needs to improve on in this offseason. And 
you know, hearing what he said at uh, at the end of the playoff game, you know, I know it wasn't as emotional, but it reminded me a lot of Tim Tebow when Tim Tebow gave his his big speech. You know, Josh knew that he was bad. Josh <laughs> knew that he made mistakes, and Josh knew that they could have won that game. But he also said that he knew what he needed to work on, and he knew that he wanted to come back and he wants to be hungry. You could tell by listening to him. You can tell by the way that he talks that he's going to come back next year and he's going to be hungry and he's not just going to forget about this game. This one that he's going to hold over him because, again, he knew it was such a winnable game. And I think that fuel alone is going to inspire a Josh Allen that we haven't seen yet. All right, let's wrap this up here. Give me your way-too-early prediction for next season. Way-too-early prediction. I was looking at the schedule the other day, actually. Final record. Uh, I'm saying 11-5 and five next year and an AFC East title. Ooh. All right. I, that's very possible. Everything, to me, depends on what happens with Tom Brady. I still think the most likely situation is he returns to New England. Um, the Bills' schedule, I think, does get tougher next year. I'm going to give them 9-7, and seven, and I think they can be very possibly in, in still in contention for that division title. They could be in the 10-6 range again. Um, I'm going to, if Brady comes back, I'm still going to give Brady the division just, just right now looking at it. I could very well see possibilities where the Bills win the division. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's very possible. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do in the offseason. It's definitely a conversation we're going to have again, you know, especially multiple times throughout the offseason. So, uh, again, appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. Um, give us your feedback, give us your thoughts, and we'll talk to you guys soon.